The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You are now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, health heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting show. Today, I've got a special guest, Dr. Gina Pelkey. She is a psychologist. And I got to tell you that in this space, in the psychologist space, I, it's, it's been hard for me to find anybody that actually seems normal to me. And, but guess what? I found one. And if you've been looking for somebody to help you out with some emotional breakthroughs, Dr. Gina is going to come in and she's going to save the day for you. She's actually a real normal person. She's not crazy. She's awesome. Uh, Dr. Gina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. And I'm actually really honored that you think I'm normal. That's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and thanks yeah. for letting me do this. This is very exciting. Yeah, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people are scared to go to therapists and psychologists because they have a hard time admitting they have a problem. And then when they go in there, you know, it's just, it's just like 95% of the, the people they go to, or they're, they're a little nuts. That's just been my experience. And, and that's what kind of with any business, about 95% of people or 80% are just kind of in the business, but you're looking for the top 5%. Like when you're picking a brain surgeon, you want the best, right? If your heart surgeon, you want the best. But if you want your emotions to get handled and you're dealing with, these things are holding you back from experiencing your best life. You want to get the best, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show today. So you guys can always check her out at Dr. Pelkey. That's uh, D-R-P-O-E-L-K-E.com. That's www.D-R-P-O-E-L-K-E.com, drpelkey.com. And um, so uh, let's just go back. I mean, we met through um, Monique, who's your Pilates instructor. Why don't you start there how we met? Yeah, no, it was it was actually just serendipitous. So I've been working with Monique the, um, and doing some private Pilates for about a year now. And I saw her drinking this awesome looking green drink. And uh, yes, right there, the green 85. <laughs> and I was curious of it. She told me about it. And um, there were two things that she said I really loved. One is that it's incredibly simple. There's no having to blend up a bunch of vegetables and herbs that I may not know too much on how to use. Right. Um, and that she felt the benefits of it right away, um, which in the world we live in where we want immediate results. I was very excited about that. Tried it, loved it, um, and I've actually been using it for quite a while myself. Um, well, I have to say, since you first started it, you look about 40 years younger. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I would actually, say, if you I don't mind, if you don't. years younger, so 40 years. Right. <laughs> if you don't mind, can you share people with your age? Because they're not going to believe it. Oh, gosh. 44. Oh. Okay, I got you, though. I'm 46, so. Okay. But I tell you what, you do sure. not look like it. So that's another thing that I, when I work with people, like anybody's going to help me with health. And I think emotional or mental health is just as important. I would want to work with somebody like you that actually has a healthy physical body, because I know that you're actually taking the time to care for yourself. There's that self-love and that effort that you've put out to the universe is coming back to you. And you have a much more grounded state to help other people emotionally because you're grounded emotionally. If you don't have $10, you can't give it. We can't give what we don't have. And I think you've got a really strong emotional, um, background to you and also um, a physical background and those two things together really helps you to help people um, in doing what you do and they really need help today so okay so why don't you just go ahead and tell us your backstory you know who are you where'd you come from um, how did you get into being a, a world-renowned psychologist and also your credentials and what you've got going on sure um that was a lot. Um, so not world renowned, but but definitely love to help. So uh, so yeah. So I'm a psychologist. So I earned my PhD in clinical psychology, um, and I went the, went the PhD route because I enjoy doing both the clinical work, which is the individual therapy, like you were just saying, kind of. Right. Hopefully, we can demystify that a little bit, but also it allowed me to do research. And it allowed me to teach. And I liked doing all three of those things because it's just my way of giving back. I have a very value-based system where I like to give back and to help people. It feels like such an honor to be able to kind of talk with people about things that they're struggling with. 
So psychology really fit, the PhD really fit. Um, but in doing my research for both earning my doctoral degree and then after that for my postdoc work with the VA um, uh, system in San Francisco, was that I looked at things like weight uh, reduction type of treatments, more psychologically based treatments to help people with body image issues, self-esteem issues, depression, anxiety. Um, I looked at ways that physical activity might help boost memory for people, uh, elderly adults who were struggling with some thinking impairments, short-term memory loss, things of that nature. And I was very excited to find that there was a way psychology can fit into helping people with either maintaining a healthy weight or getting themselves to a healthy weight by addressing the issues that contribute to that, stress, mood, um, thinking process, what they, how they feel about themselves, how they feel about the world, what they feel they can accomplish, what they feel that they can accomplish if they're feeling too overwhelmed. Um, and it was very exciting. So for my thesis, I looked at um, the control people felt that they had within to help reduce their own stress regarding weight loss. And these were individuals that were going in to get weight loss reduction surgeries. Oh, whoa, yeah. And then I switched over for my dissertation and I looked at non-invasive ways to help with weight, which were mindfulness-based stress reduction and helping individuals who were highly stressed and had a lot of cortisol floating through their body learn to reduce that stress and indirectly, so just as an added bonus, it wasn't the true goal, was that they wanted to lose weight. So these were women with very stressful jobs, either that they were in um, you know, high-powered positions, corporate individuals, or they were in these high-powered positions and they were raising a family at home, so they had double the stress. And at the same time, they felt they were overweight. And so looking at ways to kind of help the mind slow down, help the eating process slow down, help the thinking to stop in order to get the body at this nice, calming, steady state mm -hmm. to where food wasn't always the place they went to, to help decompress and relax. Yeah. Yeah. Indirectly, they did lose some weight, which was kind of exciting. Mm. Um, so looking at weight and looking at the psychological issues and the contributors has been a part of my history since I started. Um, and I've been licensed since 2011, but my research started in 2008. So I've been doing this for quite a few years now. Yeah. And I can tell when we talk about it, you light up. So it's actually your passion and that's yeah. why you're so good at it. And, uh, and for those of you guys listening in today, um, if, if you need some help with this, I mean, definitely reach out to her because, um, you know, she can definitely help you. There's no question about it. So that's really good. Thanks for sharing the backstory. It seems like you've been really into this for a long time. You know, I, um, that you, you brought something up, you were talking about self-esteem and I, and I, and I share this with my women clients all the time. They have this idea from a little girl when they have this little Barbie doll and what they're supposed to look like. They're supposed to look like this skinny little freaking twig. Then you have things like, the body mass index, which is like, you know, it's kind of a generalized weight thing, but people are like, Oh, my BMI is off. I'm like, screw all that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if you take care of yourself from the inside out, your body's going to regulate and be where it needs to be. And everybody's bodies are different, mm -hmm. you know, and do not compare yourself to other people. I mean, there's all this stuff and you see, it drives me crazy. Like they'll have like beer commercials and they got a bunch of skinny young people running around the beach, happy with beers. But the reality is, is the people that are drinking those beers are overweight they're unhappy, they're stressed out, and they're using it as, like you said, to push, the, push it down, whether it's alcohol, which is basically sugar, you're not an alcoholic, you're a sugar addict, and, and food, and people are using food as a dope to push this stuff, push these emotions down, and it blows my mind that, like, you come at it from a different approach, you literally talk to people, work through their emotions, and they start losing weight, where what I started with was just, like, cleaning their gut, giving them food, you know, and, that, and the right stuff and better food combinations and, and doing all these things and nourishment, like with the greens and that changes their biophysical uh, component. But then I, then as I got older into this situation, coaching people, I realized that there was a lot of emotional stuff too. 60 to 70% of the people I coach have severe childhood traumas or relationship traumas they're dealing with right now, or they got an autistic son or whatever. And these things are what's really holding them back. So I've actually changed my practice where I actually have to help people with the emotional component as well, not just the foods. And then you just take it to another level. So can you speak to that a little bit about like self-esteem? Because for the women listening today, if you're trying to fit yourself into this perfect ideal picture, 
Um, how do they deal with that when you have this self-image out there and all the advertising telling them, this is what you're supposed to be, and if you're not, you're weird. What do you say to those women? Yeah, yeah. So that actually, that's a really good question. So, so right there, it's how women or anybody internalizes those images and the the messages that they're receiving from the outside world, right? So, mm -hmm. if you're watching this beer commercial and all of these women are very thin and they have these ideal or you know what we consider ideal bodies, and there's this thinking process of that's how I should look, right? That's how I should be then that should statement is really going to impact their self-esteem because that should statement is a personal statement. I should be doing better. I should be able to drink beer and not gain weight, which is actually kind of impossible, right? Like you said, it's loaded with sugar. So if you're drinking all that beer, then you're going to have some problems. So the, the psychological part is addressing the language in the head that's contributing to low self-esteem. Should statements are a big part of that all or nothing thinking. I either have to look like that person that's on that magazine cover or I can't do this at all. And if you're only trying to lose two to three pounds, that might be possible. But if you're trying to lose 50 or 100 pounds, that's a little harder to do. It's going to take some more time. And if, you're, if the language you have in your head is it's either I have to do it all the way or I won't do it, then chances are they don't do it. And that self-esteem starts to drop. So I look at that language that they're using, and if it's personal and they're attacking themselves, then we have to alter the language because that language isn't helping them any. It's interesting language, but it's not helpful language. And do you actually have them repeat back what they're saying and then show them how to reframe it into a new sentence? Yeah, I do. It's, it can be that simple. Um, so I use a type of therapy that's called, it's referred to as evidence-based therapy. And all that means is that there's a lot of science and research that gets to be done on these type of, of methods and they allow me a way to quantify them. So I look at things like how they're talking to themselves, um, what their goals are. So then as we're going through therapy, I can measure, are we getting closer to those goals? Or is the language shifting? Mm -hmm. And so for that simple changing the language, it's not so much changing it to where, oh gosh, I, I'm beautiful. I'm always going to be beautiful. It's more just making it more neutral and more realistic, right? All or nothing thinking is not realistic thinking. Um, black and white thinking is not realistic thinking. Taking things personally and saying should statements is not realistic thinking. Yeah. Right? So we just make it more realistic. We don't try to make it overly optimistic, but just more like, okay, I have some work to do here and maybe it's going to take me a while, but I can absolutely do it. And no, I shouldn't have to look like this person. I'd like to look like this person, but I'd also like to do these other things to help my body kind of form to that or be more healthy. And that's what I focus on. Oh, cool. You know, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm excited because like in my, in my coaching, what I'll do is I'll ask people, okay. Um, like if they say something like, well, losing weight is hard and it's difficult and I've tried everything and it's just not working for me. That's a very low frequency statement. So I'll have them actually repeat. I write that stuff down and I have repeat it and then they repeat it. And I'll say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, one being you're depressed, you want to hang yourself and 10, you're so excited about life that you just, you know, you feel you can float around a, a magic carpet or yeah. They're like, I feel like a two. Okay, now reframe it and say, instead of saying hard, it's going to be easy. Other people have figured it out. I can figure this out too. My body's amazing. I'm amazing. I love myself. And then they say that. And I say, now on a scale of one to 10, where are you at? And they're like, I feel like an eight. And then I ask them, what's changed? Well, it's how their language. The, how they're talking to themselves. It's the language. And the language that what I'm seeing is that the language that you're teaching these women and men is that it's actually changing their vibrational frequency. Mm -hmm. Literally, on a, on, a, like on a core level, on an atomic level. And they can actually feel that and they feel better about themselves. So, what you're doing is so important. Having people recognize that language and words are, words matter and language is powerful is really cool. And no wonder you're getting such good results with your clients. Um, that's awesome. So, um, really quick, what we'll do right now is we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, um, we'll finish, uh, I've got some other questions here for, for, for Gina. She's going to give us a few, um, she's going to kind of go into this thing called cognitive dis distortions and she's going to explain that to you what the heck that is. And, um, and then you're going to, you're going to learn a lot from her. So we'll be right back in just a moment. 
What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. Yes, we have the best detox and nutrition products on the planet, but if you want to speed up your results faster, we offer coaching, private one-on-one -on -one coaching and private group coaching. To schedule your free 30-minute health strategy session, $197 value, simply go to chemicalfreebody.com forward slash coaching. That's chemicalfreebody.com forward slash coaching. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Gina Pelkey. Dr. Gina, thanks for being on. And you guys, you can check her out again at www.drpelkey, that's P-O-E-L-K-E.com. That's www.drpoelke.com. And um, she is a psychologist that's helping people um, with a lot of stuff. But today we're really focusing on weight loss and emotions. And you just shared some really good stuff. So um, Gina, what I want to go into now is why don't you tell us about this uh, this um, cognitive distortions? What is that in layman's terms, so I can understand it, and um, and then we'll go from there. Sure. So cognitive distortions, just simply put, it's it's thinking styles. Um, cognitive is just thinking, how we think, how we think internally, what we things that we say, how we perceive the world, how we perceive others, and how we perceive the future. Mm -hmm. And distortions are just sometimes what we take is we'll take a statement where there might be some truth to the statement, but we add a distorted conclusion. So an example would be, you know, say you're up for um, a job promotion and you don't get that job promotion. Mm -hmm. The truth is you didn't get the job promotion. That's a fact. You didn't get it. But a lot of people will add a distorted conclusion as I will never be good enough for this job. I didn't get it because I'm not smart enough. I'm not, um, I'm not quick enough. I'm, I'm not the right material and, it, and I'll never be promoted again in my life. That's a conclusion that's distorted. Mm. It isn't exactly true. The first part is true. The second part is the distorted part. So it's a, it's a distorted way of thinking about the self. Okay. And we do this a lot in many different areas of our life, right? So if we're talking more about weight, um, one cognitive distortion is magical thinking. Well, if I was just thinner, life would be better. If I was just um, richer, life would be better. You know, there's this, there's this idea of, well, if I just had more, everything would just fall into place. Now there's some truth to it, which is why the brain hangs on to it because the truth can't, that, that, that there is evidence that supports it. Sure. If you had more money, maybe you could afford a little bit more time to get yourself, um, you know, at a gym or pay for a nice gym or, you know, buy yourself some really nice greens, right. 385, right. Um, or you could do these, these perks for yourself. And so that there's some truth to that, but the distorted part is that will it actually make you happier to have that money or to be thinner? That's the distorted part because when people start going down that road, they realize, well, now I do have these things. I'm still not happy. Yeah. And it's because that cognitive distortion, that, that distorted way of thinking is still logged in there. It's now just jumping to something else. So what I try to do in therapy and what a lot of evidence-based therapists do is they try to take that distortion and think, can we put a conclusion that actually makes sense, right? So sure, more money will allow you time at the gym or being thinner might allow you to, you know, feel or look better mm -hmm. or based on what, you know, the cultural standards are. But what else could it give you? Does it give you more energy? Does it give you more time from not having that noise in your head to focus on being present with your loved ones? Does that money give you time to do something that you've always wanted to do, like take a vacation? Or does the, the losing the weight help with your sleep patterns? Those are conclusions that were, are actually based in facts. So we take the truth of, well, yeah, losing some weight helped, but it helped me sleep better. It helped give me more energy to be with loved ones. We take that distortion and we make it a neutral and more realistic statement. Does that make sense? Yeah. And again, it's, it's language. You're just you're language. helping with language again. Yeah. So, um, so there's a, a wonderful psychiatrist um, who, who kind of came up with all of these different thinking styles through his research and found that there's actually, you know, a good set of them 
that we can all identify with. His name is David Burns. He's, a, he's an MD. But perfectionism is one where we, it's that all or nothing thinking. Either I lose all this weight right now, or I'm not even going to bother trying to join a gym or start taking all of these wonderful different herbs and, and supplements to help myself. Should statements, I should be thinner. You know, I, I'm a successful person in every other area of my life. I should have lost this weight. That's a cognitive distortion. There's some truth that of, of sure, maybe you can lose a couple of pounds, but should you based on everything else that you're good at, or do you just need to learn a new method, right? Mm -hmm. That's the conclusion that's a little distorted. Um, selective attention or mentally filtering, so where you kind of ignore the good things that you're doing for yourself. Okay, so maybe you had a couple of donuts that day, but the other 12 hours of your day, you were drinking water, you were eating something healthy, you had a nice balanced breakfast, you went on a walk, you took the stairs instead of the elevator, but people kind of filter that information out and only hang on to, but I had some donuts. Right. right? And it's ignoring it. So why do people like, why do we beat the crap out of ourselves all the time? Why are we are, are like our own worst critic? How come we're not like our own best cheerleader? How come we don't we keep reinforcing all the good stuff that we're doing instead of reinforcing the things that are negative. What, what's up with that? So what I hear from a lot of the people that I see is one of the reasons they hang on to these distorted ways of thinking is because they're afraid that if they start thinking too optimistically, then they will lose the momentum and the drive to keep working on being healthy. If I don't sit there and punish myself, if I don't always use the stick instead of the carrot, I will lose my momentum and I will stop caring. There's this fear that there's something about that punishment that keeps them focused on it and keeps them wanting to do better. Hmm. And, and I, I see you kind of looking to the side there a little bit. One of the things I noticed with that is that that's also culture driven right? Work hard. If you work hard, you get all of these great bonuses. It's not exactly true, unfortunately. We can still work hard and still get laid off from our jobs. We can still have very active lifestyles and be completely healthy and get something like COVID-19, right? So, so that's not exactly true. But people believe if they continue to punish themselves, it'll keep it at the focus of, the, of their brain and they won't stop. They won't give up. Mm. And it scares them. And what's that doing to them in reality? Well, in reality, it's actually kind of reinforcing that destiny, right? Because all they focus on is the negative. Yeah. And then you get what you focus on. It's kind of like the, somebody told me a long time ago, it's like, you're driving down the road, your car spins off into a wreck, you're out in the middle of nowhere, and there's an open field, there's one telephone pole, you see the pole, ah, and you're steering and you don't know what you're doing. All of a sudden, you just, you hit the pole. Yeah. Like you, you drive yourself right into the pole. Right. Somehow your, your subconscious takes over and you, you, yes. you, you focus on. This is like happens all the time. Yes. And this is what's going on. What you're telling me here is that like if you're focusing on like I'm not good enough and I suck and I'm fat and I can never be like her. I can, I'm never going to have muscles like that dude and stuff like that. You're just that you're tying that shit down with an anchor, like a, a you know, a unbreakable rope. You know, yeah. and, and again, it goes back to what you're saying. It's, it's, it's really language and it doesn't have to be spoken either. No. Right? Usually it's not spoken um, because chances are when we say these things out loud and say we're surrounded by loved ones, our loved ones are telling us it's not true. But because it's so ingrained in our brain and we've been saying it internally for so long, we don't believe it right? Yeah. Or we, we give excuses for it. Oh, they're just being kind. Or well, that's exactly what they're supposed to say because they love me and they care about me. They don't want me to have these thoughts. So a lot of times these are very unspoken, internally biased thoughts that end up impacting, like you said, they focus on it so often, they end up driving themselves right into that pole. Yeah. So they end up doing those unhealthy behaviors. And then you know what really helped me with this was I studied Dr. Bruce Lipton's work. He's like a, was a cell biologist for 50 years, and what he and he was what he said was that you know the 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 conscious mind and I can't remember it's like it operates at like 40,000 something per second, and then the the un, the subconscious mind works like it I don't know it's a million times faster than the conscious mind. So what ends up happening if you're in a stressful situation like cortisol gets re, re, released or something like that, and then you, you, your your subconscious mind will take over 
because yeah. it's a mu it's a million times faster processor but at the same time it's also a recording device your subconscious mind records everything it just takes it in as facts so if you say i'm worthless i'm overweight i'm fat i'm no i'm no good who's going to be with me and you keep saying that over and over again the subconscious mind just takes it in because it's just a recording device it's like yep she's fat he's fat he's worthless he's worthless and before too long it's a million times faster and it's playing that back to you and you actually you believe it so your your reality becomes your your thoughts become your reality right Yes, you learn it and it becomes habitual. Right. right. It goes on to automatic pilot because the brain actually, the brain loves to be stimulated by something new. And in order to be stimulated by something new, anything that it could put on, on automatic drive, it will. So if you've had those constant thoughts, it's like, great, I have the thoughts, I'm ready to go, they're automatic, they come up before the person could even catch them. So then the brain can kind of carve out enough real estate or, or mental space to focus on something else. And so when it becomes automatic like that, you don't even, you're not even aware it's happening behind the scenes, which is why I found mindfulness so, so significantly important because it's able to slow down the brain and catch those thoughts. And people can start realizing, man, my brain has those thoughts all the time and I'm not even aware of it because it's so automatic and so quick. I didn't even know it. Yeah. But they were depressed. They were sad. And the minute we corrected that and slowed it down and got them to think more positively, like what you were trying to do with rating how people felt if they said this statement versus mm -hmm. this statement, if they say it and then they make that a habit, then the brain says, great, that's my new automatic. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I just, I just had like an epiphany. It's kind of like when you're, you know, you first start driving a car, you're like on the wheel and checking the mirrors and the gear shift and the brakes and the gas and it's like you're just you're you're totally conscious and you're present but after you've done it a while the subconscious takes over and then all of a sudden you can hop in the car you're on the phone with your friend and you show up at your place and you don't even remember driving it's an excellent metaphor yeah like who the hell is driving the car yes well, subconscious mind yeah so what you're telling me is like the subconscious mind's looking for space to look for new cool things because that's the way we work Yep. And so it puts shit on autopilot. And if you've programmed yourself to think you're not worthy or overweight, or you just don't, you're not, you don't look good, then yep. it's just going it, to autopilot it and then just free up space for new and exciting things. And you're kind of trapped there. So how do people get out of that trap? So in therapy, what I do um, and what evidence-based therapies do is, is we slow it down. We assess all the areas of life that are are having stressors any type of stressors where it's a mood stressor or actual environmental stressors money job fine you know anything and we look at all of these different areas and we slowly start to monitor how thinking is impacting each one of these areas and those thought patterns are identifying what those distortions are and we don't just have one distortion right it's not just where i'm an all or nothing thinker i may have three or four of them we look at all three or four of them. We change the way we, we, we think about them. We make them more neutral, more realistic. And then we start to monitor how life may shift based on this new way of thinking. And we look at how it changes, how we think about our finances, how we think about our stress levels, how we think about our loved ones, how we think about our weight and our personal style, our self-esteem, our mood, our anxiety levels. And we see and we track. Man, that's really, um, that's really cool. I was just, uh, I'm just thinking about some clients and stuff like that, that, um, I can relate this to. So anyway, um, so that's good. So, um, what we'll do is, um, we'll take another quick commercial break and then we get back. Maybe you can give people like three tips on things they can do at home mm -hmm. to help themselves. And, um, and then, um, I'd like to hear some stories of some people you helped. How does that sound? That's good. All right, cool. All right, Health Heroes, we'll be right back with Dr. Gina Pelkey, world-renowned psychologist. We'll be back real soon. You want the absolute best for yourself, and you want it to be easy. That's why we created Green 85. It helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical-free, unlike almost all other supplements you'll find. Bottom line. Green 85 will get you healthier. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com.
James here. We're back with Dr. Gina Pelkey. Dr. Gina Pelkey, www.drpoelke.com. That's www.drpoelke.com. And today we're she's getting down to the, the root causes of the emotional baggage that we've been dragging around. How do we get it? How do we get rid of it so we can lose that weight? So we've talked about, um, you've got your background, your credentials. Um, uh, we've talked about cognitive distortion, distortions. I've learned a whole lot about this and self-esteem issues with people and how stress is affecting all this. Why don't you go ahead and just give people like three things, maybe you, you do three little takeaways that you send your clients home with at home so they could start working on this before they even call you and um, book a session with you if they wanted. Sure. So first, let's start with the one that we, um, we just spoke about, which is this putting thoughts on automatic pilot. So another thing that we do that's on automatic pilot is we pair certain behaviors together. And pairing behaviors, basically what I'm talking about is that eating in front of the television, mm. eating while on the computer, um, eating while driving, which I don't recommend anyone do, but people do it a lot, right? It's pairing. It's pairing. <laughs> I see people eating and putting on their makeup and I'm like, pay attention. Yes, yes. That's that's fear for all of us, not just the self, right? But, but these are things that we pair together. And again, they go on automatic pilot. So what happens is, is say you're trying to lose some weight and you go sit in front of your TV, rightfully so, you've earned it. You've had a very busy day. The minute you sit in front of the TV, this is something that could happen unconsciously where you just start to feel this urgency or pressure to grab something to eat. And it might not be because you're hungry. It's because there is this ingrained relationship between sitting in front of the TV and eating. That's the relationship. So one thing that people can do at home is to start monitoring when are they eating? Because our body does give us cues on when we're actually hungry and when we're actually full, when we're satiated, right? Mm -hmm. But it also gives us cues based on our activity. If every time you sit in front of the computer, you're sitting there and you're eating your lunch, a lot of people do this at work, they, they eat and work at the same time. What happens if you're working eight hours a day? You end up snacking eight hours mm. a day. Oh, so one thing to notice is to look at these relationships. If you're someone that eats while you're watching TV, start to slowly develop a new activity you do while you're watching TV. If you can, maybe sit there and enjoy the show without anything. But if you can't, I suggested to some of the people I work with that like to knit or like to do things with their hands, right? To do those things with their hands. I also suggest, why don't you do some yoga stretches, some things that you could do for your body that just feels good. Maybe try watching the TV while standing up and walking around the room associate a new behavior with the TV to where the brain learns, oh, okay, I could do this too. I'll put that on automatic pilot. I actually like knitting or I actually like walking around or doing stretches when I'm watching TV. That feels good too. I wasn't really hungry. It's just what I always did. So that's one thing I do a lot in session is find, well, what can we replace the behavior with? And let's replace it with something that you actually enjoy and get some benefit from. So I'm just thinking back to growing up as a kid. I was so excited about TV dinners. <laughs> yes, those are huge. Oh, that was such a horrible thing. It's like, it's bad enough. It's like we have television programming. So they're literally telling us they're going to program us. Yeah. Whatever the hell they want. And then you get this, this dinner that's in this aluminum foil. So you're eating, yes. scraping it with your, your fork and your spoon, getting Alzheimer's from the aluminum toxicity. It's microwave, well, and then it was heated back then. It's before they had the non-microwave heated up. And I remember like Salisbury steak and, you know, you get the green beans and then you got your little, you know, whatever it was. There was some type of a dessert, like cherry pie or some shit like that was in there. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. And then my, my mom and dad, we'd also do this. We'd have like popcorn in the evenings and we're watching TV or yes. we would do um, like sardines or oysters with crackers. And I just remember that as a kid. It's like, Oh, it's a special night. You know, dad's getting the oysters out with the crackers, you know, or, oh, popcorn. Yay. You know, it was just like, it was like this fun thing. And I didn't realize that I was, it was like Pavlov's dog. Literally, I was, I was training myself to TV, eat, TV, eat, TV, eat, TV, drool, TV, drool. Where's the food? You know? So, um, I never thought of it like that. So that's, that's really cool. And I think that's really, a um, it really opened my mind too. Cause I was thinking this could be applied, not just to just to eating habits, but to like anything you could 
do these um, where, where people are pair, pairing two things together. Yes. Right. Pairing yes. two things. It could be as simple as like maybe you hop into bed with your lover and you know, you're, you're all over him or you're all over her every single night. And maybe they don't want that. Maybe they just like a break once in a while. So maybe it'd be a good idea to hop into bed and start reading a book. Yes. Right. Yes. And give them a freaking break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just balance things out there a little bit. So yeah. those, those are pretty cool. Any other uh, tips that you can think of besides yeah. that? Um, if I have the time, there's two other ones that I think are really cool. Let's um, do it. That, that make people feel good. So one is tracking physical activity. So I know that there's things like Fitbits, you know, or the Apple Watches are these cool little gadgets that track how you're, how much you're moving. Um, and what I found with people that I work with, work with is that they automatically assume that's for doing formal physical activity, right? If I go on a run, mm -hmm. I it with my Fitbit. If, I, if I'm doing some type of uh, gym exercise or some type of class exercise, that's, that's what they're thinking about activity. What I like to do with the people I see is I like them to track all activity they're doing, which means all the times that they're moving, how many times are they getting up during their workday just to get up, even if it's to walk to the restroom or walk to go talk to a colleague, um, how many times they might take the stairs, even if it's just one flight. Do they walk to go get a cup of coffee? Do they walk to go get their lunch? Do they take their animals for a walk? All the times they're actually moving. And the reason why this is important is because every little bit counts. And this is where that mental filtering comes in, where people just kind of dismiss those activities. Well, that's not a real workout. That wasn't a formal class. That wasn't 30 minutes or 45 minutes of focused exercise. But every little bit helps. And yeah. People start seeing that they're actually doing things in their favor. They're not, they're not punishing themselves or they're not putting them down as much. When they, at the end of the day, they can go, gosh, I was moving. Yeah. I, I know how to do this. I wasn't going from zero to a hundred. I've probably been at a steady 70 all day long and I didn't even realize it. So getting people to either write it down, put it on their phone or even record themselves saying it just so they know, yep, they're actually moving a lot more than they thought. And I love that because when people hear that, they hear themselves saying that they feel better. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I was just, I had a coaching client yesterday. I was talking to her and she said her mom was a, freaking super health freak like to you know too much right and just I, I was like that for the first like three four five years I just everybody just ran for me they saw me kind of like oh don't look at my food Tim I, it's horrible so I don't care what people eat anymore but anyway she said that her mom said that um uh elevators are for sick people she said always take the stairs and you get in your body and that stuck with her so she even when she worked in an office building she'd always take the stairs she would never do the elevator like people were like teasing her and she's like nope I'm taking the stairs every day up and down those stairs it makes a freaking big difference and another lady that would never work out she would never work out she would never do anything she was 44 pounds overweight and she was negative well she got one of those little fitbit things and wasn't wasn't trying to like work out or nothing but all of a sudden she saw how many steps she was taking. And then she thought, well, maybe I'll make a goal to do 10,000 steps a day. And she just, she got into this thing. And then it, that's what sparked her was that little recording device showing her just the damn <laughs> steps she was taking. I was like, whoa, I'm going to put that in my coaching program because this is a person I could never get through. She wouldn't listen to me probably because I was too close. Cause I was really close to her through um, a friend of ours, but she got that thing and she started, she, it just, it was like instant coffee. I mean, she's overnight. I, I shouldn't say instant coffee. I'll say instant greens. Okay. Instant <laughs> greens would be better. Stay away from the coffee. No, yeah. just kidding. But um, anyway, so what's your third tip? That's a really good one. Um, so the third tip has to do with identifying emotions. And this is the part where I like to demystify therapy a little bit is that everybody thinks when we're looking at emotions that we only want to talk about the bad stuff, right? Mm. But we want to talk about the good stuff. So when I ask people to identify emotions, just to track it, even for a day, I like them to track how they're feeling when they first wake up in the morning. How are they feeling when they first make themselves breakfast? How are they feeling after they eat the breakfast? How are they feeling throughout the day? Because I like to see what that line, that trajectory looks like and what are the themes. And lo and behold, when I work with people that have a goal being, well, I'd like to be less depressed because I'm noticing it's, it's affecting my weight. I, I've gained a lot of weight. I don't, I'm not at a happy weight status right now. Mm -hmm. 
So I'll use that as a goal. And when they're tracking it, what I typically find is that the eating is paired with a mood such as boredom or stress, not always depression or anxiety. Sometimes it's, I'm feeling really stressed. I have a, a big um, project I'm working on or a big presentation. So I'm eating a bunch of food and they're not eating cucumbers, right? They're eating potato chips from the vending machine, right? Right. So, what's paired with the eating time is boredom or stress. So what I then do is say, okay, I see a theme here, boredom and stress. So let's figure out what can we do to help relieve stress besides eating? We can still use eating, eating's good, you need energy, you need fuel, but what are some other things that help you feel less stressed? Is it just tuning out? Is it closing your eyes for a few minutes? Is it kind of giving your eyebrows a nice massage? Is it calling a friend? Is it looking at YouTube videos of puppies and kittens? What is it that helps you? For the boredom, if you're bored, well, what are you doing now versus what would you like to be doing? Maybe what you're doing in your life isn't making you happy, but food makes you happy, right? So if you're not a happy person, but eating a cupcake is going to make you happy temporarily, you're going to eat the cupcake. But if we can find what truly makes you happy in life and have you participate in doing that more often, you're going to be reaching for that versus reaching for the cupcake. Yeah, that's awesome. I just brought up like if somebody's really bored, right, and they're eating, it's it's simple. They're not like you said, they're probably not doing what their joy or their excitement. They're not following it. Yes. They're, 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 they're going to a job that they don't like. They're in a relationship that probably doesn't work. Um, they're not happy with their health. Um, maybe they're struggling financially too, which 74% of people in this country are. And then you stack that stuff together and then it's, you know, what was me? Um, hand me the haagen -Dazs. I mean, yeah. that's what's really happening. Or, you know, give me, give me a baked potato. I want three pounds of sour cream on it, please. More bacon. And, <laughs> you know, and then all those motions down there of them feeling, you know, not worthy and all this stuff. They just, they eat all this crap and they shove it back down. But then guess what? They wake up the next day and those emotions are still there. And then it's just this negative loop. They just keep eating and eating and eating and repeating the same negative thoughts, processes, the same language. And you just really help people to turn that around in their head because it's got to start in the mind first and then it will manifest in the body um, and, and second, right? Yes. Cool, cool, cool. Well, wow, this was a, a good interview. I think it's going to help a lot of people not only to lose weight, but to, you know, lose all the negative emotions or negative baggage um, because you help people with more than just weight, right? I mean, could you tell people what your specialties are, kind of the niche stuff that you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so I do work a lot with individuals where it's not so much weight as the focus, but depression, anxiety, a lot of trauma. I work with a lot of people with PTSD, um, people who are grieving. Um, and usually the weight issue is part one of the symptoms of those particular types of ailments that they're coming to me with. Uh, therapists are usually not the first person um, people go to to lose weight. But when they start talking about, hey, I've been depressed or I was traumatized, I have this history of trauma, when I'm assessing their, their whole body and all their symptoms, weight is always one of the forefront. I've gained a lot of weight. I'm not happy with the way I look. And it becomes part of it. So I work with a host of different issues. And then weight, I got to say 70% comes up. That's pretty good. And you don't even have a can of greens to hand them. I don't have a can of greens to hand them. Well, you right. do now. Now you do. Then I, so then I say, well, there's this other things you can be doing, which is what I like about your work is that you're very open to the idea that if we look at all of the holistic uh, opportunities available for people, you can help with getting their body on track with all of these wonderful nutri nutrition supplements for them. And then also to help with their mind, you're doing some great work, you know, trying to challenge some of those thoughts. And then it's like, well, let's help push that along a little bit more and you're getting them help there, they're probably incredibly grateful to you that you not only looked and saw, okay, well, I can help you with nutrition, but you probably also saved their life and helping them with their depression too by saying, well, why don't you get some therapy? I'm open to all of these things for you. And I'm sure you probably recommend certain, you know, rehabilitative, rehabilitative exercises, like probably working with Monique or something like that. Yeah, all that stuff. It, it doesn't really matter to me how people come into the change, where they get a Fitbit or they start with a can of greens or they have a session with you or however they come into improving themselves. It, it doesn't matter. 
because it all stacks upon itself. So before we go, um, what um, words of wisdom would you leave for those people out there struggling with weight that are kind of recognizing that they know probably deep down they've got some deep emotional work to do? What would your uh, what would your words of uh, parting words of wisdom be for those folks? So if if they know they're at that that part where they have the insight and they know that there's some emotional work to do um, and they've never seen a therapist, you know, therapists offer consultation calls. And what I would recommend for those consultation calls is two things. One is that they ask the therapist what the therapist plans to do because every therapist has a different style. Like I said, I'm evidence-based. There's so many wonderful different types of orientations out there. But if they ask the therapist, what are they going to do with them? They can get a good idea of what the session will look like so that the therapist can demystify it. When they come into the room, they'll know what to expect because that's the scariest part. You go sit in a, in a room with someone, you're sitting on a couch and you got a therapist looking at you, asking you all these questions about your personal life, right? Mm-hmm. And so having that therapist explain, well, you know, if you're dealing with depression, this is how I'm going to deal with it, which is something I do on my calls. As I say, I'm gonna give you the first 10 minutes to explain to me what's been going on with you and while you're telling me I'm going to be thinking about the interventions that I feel most comfortable with in helping you I then share those interventions to let them know this is what to expect I won't go outside of these lines this is the work I'm going to do so I encourage people to do as many consultation calls as they want that's the first step and ask them what their style is what do they plan to do with them the second most important thing is is while they're on the phone call with them is to think to themselves if this is this someone I can talk to for three months or six months. Some people do therapy for life and that's fine too. But can I talk to this person and feel comfortable with them? Do they, do they feel trustworthy to me? Do they feel like someone that I can share my deepest, darkest secrets with? Because you're going to be asked those things. When I'm in therapy and I'm working on these different things, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where did that thought come from? Did it come from childhood and those TV dinners? Like where did this come from? Mm-hmm. And if you're not feeling comfortable with me already on the phone, you're not going to feel comfortable with me when you're sitting in a room and it's just me and you on a weekly basis. So that's, that's where I would encourage people who are interested and already at that point where they're open to therapy. Okay. So in your practice, um, do people have to meet with you physically or can you help them over the phone or Skype or Zoom? I do both. Um, So I do video therapy and I do in-person therapy. Um, And so for the the consultation call, that's a phone call. So we, we, you know, try to be as less disruptive because you're typically having to make quite a few calls to find the person that seems like the best fit for you. Um, and by all means, you don't have to know everything about therapy. That is not your job. That's our job to know about therapy. So when you're doing your research, you just want to look, well, do you like what they have to say on their website? Does it make sense to you? Are they using a bunch of psychological terms that are just baffling or are they explaining things to you in a way that your brain can hear and understand? And once they find that, have those calls. And then after the call, then you can set up video sessions or you can set up in-person sessions. For most of the people I see, video session is, is fine. It's very effective. Mm-hmm. But I will say for people who are in crisis mode, so where the depression is more severe, where suicidality is on the table, or where there might be some harmful behaviors, where they're doing a lot of self-harm, I don't recommend video therapy. I, I recommend in-person therapy so the therapist can have eyes on them and be there to nurture and keep them safe. Yeah, I, I got blown away when I first heard about where people do cutting, where they like take a razor blade or a knife and they'll cut themselves to uh-huh. that pain will take away the all the pain. It redirects yep. it for a moment. And then like, I just heard like a, um, uh, this lady, like she was sitting there watching this scary documentary or something. She's got a lot of emotional issues and she just like took a knife and stabbed herself in the hand with it. Yeah. I'm just like, what is good? how what led up to her to do that you know it blows my mind and that's where you can come in and unravel that stuff so guys if you'd like to get a um and would you offer a free session up front or is it paid up front how does it how do they start with you so the consultations are always free and the consultations is where i like to do a lot of my work and say these are the interventions i would do um and i spend a good time telling them the interventions and i come up with interventions if i can't come up with interventions on the phone with you then i'm not the right therapist for you and i'm happy to fire myself i got no problem doing that um but the next thing i do is after they hear my interventions i answer any questions i clarify anything if i didn't make any sense and didn't do a good job explaining it 
And then I ask them to spend a couple days thinking about it and to do more calls. Because once they're committed to me, I, I'm one of those therapists where I like to get the ball rolling. The first session, we're going to get to work. And if they're still not sure about me, then that's a little bit harder to do. So I want them to be sure. Okay, that's cool. Well, guys, if you'd like to schedule a free consultation with uh, Dr. Gina Polkey, evidence-based psychologist and a healthy person herself <laughs> and a nice lady, um, you can reach her at www.drpolkey.com. That's www.drpoelke.com. Well, Gina, thanks for coming on the show today. It's 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 been awesome. Um, I've I've learned a lot. I've learned some stuff that I'm going to actually implement in my coaching program just from you sharing today. And I know, like I I just have instincts on things now. Like, and I know that these things are going to work. I already know it, right? And I love your smile and I love what you're doing to help people. And it's really, you know, finding a good psychologist that takes care of themselves and takes care of other people too is like a needle in the haystack. So um, I hope people will reach out to you and uh, get some free consults with you and see if you can help them with, you know, not just losing the weight, but with the, the depression and the anxiety that's rampant in our society today. And then what's really exciting to me is like with you doing your work and what I do, you know, coming together, man, we can yeah. really help people transform their lives and be a shining example, not for just themselves, but for the people around them, their loved ones, their friends, their families, they can get their kids on the right tracks. So their kids don't end up being a mess later on in life. You know, this is some really big work that you're doing here. And I just want to really um, uh, acknowledge you for what you're doing and thank you for what you've done so far to all these folks you've helped. Thank you. And thank you to you too. I mean, you know, I had my greens 85 this morning, so I was raring to go for this interview. This was all pretty awesome. Right. So you're doing some really good work yourself and I can tell you love it. I'm, I'm looking at your shirt right now. You are, this is, this is your thing. You found your calling Tim. Yeah. Tell them what it says for the, because most people won't see it on YouTube. They'll see uh, it. Love when you poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag a health hero, baby. Yes. I won't forget that part of it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, if you if you're if you're pooping you know once every other day or once every three days, I guarantee you you're going to be depressed. <laughs> we got to get that poop <laughs> flowing again. We got to get to talk to them. <laughs> What's that? And that's where you come in and talk to them and help them with that, right? Oh so, yeah, we're poop specialists over here. We love it. We love we love talking about poop. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Well, that's been awesome. So thank you so much again for coming on, guys. Check her out and remember, change yourself, change your world, and we will see you guys again episode. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>